This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club I've recorded 11 minutes and 42 seconds of audio so far. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff, too. It's all keepers. It's all me just cursing at my fucking iPhone. Um, it makes sense to me what? that God should have chosen to make us wait a little bit longer to talk about this book that we have been waiting so long to talk about. Yeah, I feel like we've been we've been looking at this like image. We've had this image in our head of this shorn short-haired Marianne for so long. Dangerous Marianne. Yeah. And we we've always wondered like that's not the Marianne I know. Not my Marianne. That's not my not not all Marianne's. And here we are. We've finally we've been exposed to her. I know, and it was it was it was worth the wait. And of course, of course, and tapped Pete Laranges. Oh, oh Pete. <laughs> you know, this book was resplendent oh. with Pete's humor. Yeah, I could. Just, I knew I immediately. Feel Pete dancing around these pages like a little joke nymph. Yeah, it's not just his humor; it's his oh, eloquence. It is me, <laughs> Pete Larangis. I am here to punch up your jokes oh. and oh, and also his lyrical prose. Yeah, Pete Larangis, what a what a fucking talent, and what a great book this was. It had everything. It was a good book. I mean, it's it's. It's hard to go wrong when you've got the super duo of Martin and Larangis yeah. on the case. It's perfect. Um, yeah, if you have a problem, call Martin and Larangis. They will sort shit out for you. Right. Need a children's book? Yeah. Martin and Larangis are on the task. <laughs> Jackie. Yep. Before we begin, mm-hmm. why don't you explain to Baby Nation what's happening right now? Here's the thing that's happening. I am calling you from Austin, Texas. Whoa. Whoa. Is that a slight accent I hear in your yeah. slight southern drawl I hear? Oh, also, I want you to call me Tex from now on. I'm not comfortable with that. I think that's what everybody who is worth anything here in Texas, where I'm about to live, uh-huh. goes by Tex. I want you to call me York from now on. No, that's not very good. Because everyone here who lives in New York, <laughs> where I continue to live, uh-huh. they they all go by York. All right. What about Brooklyn. Nah, York. I guess that's a girl's name, York. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like something out of like that Shakespeare history play. It's well, I don't good. have a cool nickname because I'm not moving to a cool state. All right, well, I'll continue to call you Tanner until you get one, and you can start calling me Tex. I'm just gonna keep calling you Jack. Fine, just try it out a couple times. Okay, but yeah, Baby Nation, this doesn't affect you as much as it affects me and Tanner. Um, but I'm moving to Texas. Jack is moving to Texas. I'm staying Hence- in New York. Yeah, Jack has a cool new job in Texas, and I have my same cool job in New York. <laughs> we still work for the same company. Jack's just going to work for a different office of the company. Yeah, and it sucks, I'm... and I hate it, and I think you will probably all hate it too, Baby Nation. Yeah, but we're going to continue. We're going to continue with our friendship. I, we'll see. And we're going to continue with this, our hit podcast. We'll see, man. Maybe it won't work. Maybe the dynamic will totally change. You'll become like a hotshot Texan. You'll always be talking about seceding. Oh, yeah. That's going to be good. Um, but you're coming back, right? Yeah, I'm coming back. Coming back. You're, just, you're there looking for houses right now. Yeah, I'm coming back. Um, but by the time this airs, I will have actually perma- have moved permanently moved. And here's something we can look out for, Tanner. What? I don't think this is going to happen. But if any of the babysitters leave... I don't understand why that In would future books, we'll know that Anne did this to us. You you moving away, Anne would see as a slight, and she would punish us for that. Right. Okay. That and seems, take away one of our favorites. Seems petty. It's just, I've come to She's know gonna Anne. going to take away Christy? Christy's the lifeblood of the Babysitter's Club. That's what happens, man. Or it could be Claudia. I don't know who it's going to be, but I f- have come to know Anne over reading these now 60 babysitter's club books and she is vindictive it's an eye for an eye with Anne. she is old testament all the way okay so well, you fuck with Anne, she fucks with you back well how she, about this then yeah i have a i have a solution okay don't move <laughs> to save the babysitters to keep the seven yes stay in new york 
and everything will be fine. All right, I'll take it under advisement. I'll talk to I'll talk to Sarah about it. Um, with all that big news out of the way, I feel like it's time to introduce this podcast. Oh boy! Hi, 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 and welcome to the Babysitters Club Club, Club. a podcast in which I, Jack Shepard, and I, Tanner Greenring, talk about the classic novels of Princeton's own Anne Matthews Martin, Stormborn, uh, Bats Bane, Stormwalker, Stormwalker. Sanctified. Sanctified. I think that's it. Uh, First of her name, last of her kind, last hope for humankind. Right. Uh, Author of The Great Sitter Cycle, which Tanner and I are reading book by book, week by week. And this week we have reached book number 60. 60. A book that we have been looking forward to. Makeover. Mary Ann's Makeover. what What a scorcher. What a fantastic fucking novel this was. I liked it. Um, Pete Black shows up, and he's such a baller, and like, frankly, I think more of Dawn now. Yeah. Because she has aligned herself with Pete Black. They're an item now, Baby Nation. Oh, I so hope so. I just wrote down, Dawn's going on a date with Pete Black to the January Jamboree. They are perfect for each other. Yeah, they are perfect for one another. You get Anne and Pete together, they come up with zany ideas like this, and as soon as you see it, you're like, yep. That is a perfect match. Yeah, of course. Um, Why don't we think of this sooner? We had Dawn wasting her time with Louis Bruno, and we had Pete Black wasting his time with... Lane. Lane Cummings, right. Yeah. Embarrassing. Embarrassing for both of you. But now that you've found one another, I'm glad that you're together. Yeah, I hope that lasts. Uh, I didn't love seeing Stacy and Sam still together. They also go to the January Jamboree. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't love it either. Sam, you're in high school, dude. Like, don't go to the fucking middle school dance with Stacy. It's not a good look. Yeah, who are you, Carlos? (laughs) Yeah, Carlos Mendez. Carlos Mendez. What a legend. I hope that dude shows up again. We're dropping a lot of names and a lot of hints into what happened in this book, but we're not actually saying anything. There's one more thing I want to talk about before we do our descriptions that I think is also Pete Larange's, is they reference in this book what I now know to be a Logan point of view book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sounds awesome. Yeah, I captured that too. I thought we missed another um, super special maybe. Yeah, so the reference is... Once, Logan had to become a regular BSC member when Dawn went to Los Angeles for a few weeks. And when his football teammates found out, they were awful to him. I looked this up. There is a book called Logan Bruno, Boy Babysitter. And the blurb for it sounds fucking great. I'm going to read it to you What's the imprint? Wait, wait, what's the imprint? Scholastic. No, what's the the other world? The other verse? I don't, I mean, I think it's BSC. It's not mystery. we would have read it. Oh, yeah, you're right. I don't know what the other verse is. Maybe it's a standalone, like the Christmas special? Well, we got to read that. Yeah, we got to read it. Let, let me read this to you. You're going to fucking love it. Okay. Poor Logan. The kids at school are always busting him for being a boy babysitter. And then Logan blows a track event that causes SMS to lose the meat. He's feeling pretty bummed. Logan begins hanging out with T-Jam, the coolest guy in school. Oh, he sounds like the coolest guy in school. <laughs> And soon gets into such deep trouble that even Marianne and the babysitters cannot help him. T Jam. <laughs> T Jam. If I call if I start calling you Tex, you have to start calling me T Jam. One hundred percent. That's a fucking deal, T Jam. Okay, cool. Baby Nation start calling me T Jam. Yeah, Baby Nation start calling me Tex. Okay. But mine's more important. Okay, they're both pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how about uh we describe this book for the Baby Nation? Yes. Sound good to you? Do you want to go first? Yeah, why don't Today? I go first? Yeah, and then if I miss something, you can fill in the details. You'll miss a lot of things. You You're think? pretty bad at this, yeah. All right, well, I'm going to start now. Good, do it. I don't care. Okay, good. I was going to, and then you interrupted me. You know what's cool is now that we're on separate isolated audio tracks, I can just talk uh, over you. No, I won't like the that. The whole time you're doing your thing, I can just like sit and make fun of you. I'm not going to like that. And then you can just clip me out of the, the final track. I don't want that. How about you pay attention to the thing that I'm saying? Okay. Okay, ready? I'm going to begin now. There's no time like the present. Dumb. When you're building a time machine in your basement. Dumb. That's a dumb thing to say. At least that's what Stony Brook's resident science prodigy, Carolyn Arnold, thinks. Even if her friend Marianne laughs at her about it. Yeah, dumb. When everything starts changing around Marianne. He took off his headphones. From her friends to her boyfriend to her own appearance. 
She doesn't think things are quite so funny after all. Jack, you can't hear me right now. And when the time machine in Carolyn's basement starts to change as well, Carolyn and Marianne both begin to see that meddling with a perfectly good time like the present... You're a very good friend. ...or the past... Uh, I'll miss you dearly when you move may to not Austin. Be such a great idea after all. You know, I think I'm glad we have this podcast. Kind because of, another odd thing about time... Keep us, uh, keep us talking. Is that you can really take it for granted. Keep us connected while you're out, out until there. Until you're running uh, out of it. And I hope you come back. Mary Ann's makeover. What'd you think? Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take my headphones off because there was like some audio interference. Was there? Yeah. I wonder if we're like picking up a straight cell phone signal or something. Yeah, it was It was really like high-pitched and nasal and an- super fucking annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you think, Tanner? Did you listen to what I said? You did Loved it. it. I loved it. Okay, good. I thought it was so good. Really? Yeah. That means a lot. Thanks. Wait, don't you thank me. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. do, do you want to describe this book for us now? Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> It's not a chore. This is like literally the best Babysitter's Club book you and I have read in a long ass time. It was good not, as hell. I'm not acting as though it's a chore. I'm acting as though it's my duty. Okay. It is your fucking duty. I'm taking it seriously. And it's also your duty to like put on a goddamn smile and do your job. Otherwise, I'm smiling. I'm looking at you on. Well, I can't tell actually. No, that's not a smile. Um, it's, a, it's a coy, it's a sly smile. Okay, fine. Well, you can the, see the smile just kissing the little corners of my lips here. That's no, that's disgusting. Look, um, look. Oh yeah, I can see it now. I yeah. can see it now. You look, you actually look great. Thank you. Um, a lot of the baby nation have not read this book or have not read it in a long time. Okay, and they they're gonna need you to fill them in on some of the details that I may have missed. I wanted you to do that in sixty seconds. Okay, and I'm gonna start that timer right now. Oh god. Um. Okay, so Marianne decides that she – it's a new year, new you, Marianne. She decides that she's going to uh, start making bold choices in her life. She, The first choice she makes is she's flipping through a magazine at a meeting at one of Claude's fashion magazines and sees a girl in the magazine, a model with short hair, and she's like, I'm going to have short hair. Uh, it's She describes it as a bowl cut in the front and short in the back, um, which sounds dumb, but – I guess it worked. She goes, she asks her dad. Her dad says it's okay. They go to Washington Mall. They have a whole daddy-daughter fun time day at the mall. She gets a total makeover, makeup, uh, haircut, new clothes. She goes to school. Everyone loves it. All the babysitters club hates it. They hate it. Dawn especially. Dawn is jealous because Richard took Mariana, but not Dawn. Um, she keeps encountering resistance from everyone except for the kids at school who all think she's really rad and cool now. Um, Jack, uh, Jack's connection went down on my phone, so, uh, I'm kind of flying blind here, but, um, I'm going to assume that I'm still well within my 60 seconds. Um, Logan loves it. Marianne kind of withdraws from the club. Uh, she spends more time with Logan and starts talking to kids at school a lot more, uh, now the call has failed, so I'm just really, I have no idea what's going on. It's just me now, um, but I'm going to still assume that I'm well within my 60 seconds. Uh, I can't see or hear Jack, so who knows what's going to go on. Okay, Jack's trying to call me, but I'm still doing my description. Uh, so, and then, um, let's see. So she, she all the babysitters club are fighting with her. She's withdrawn from all of them, um, and at the end... Uh, she finally kind of, she starts skipping meetings and all that stuff. And at the end, she finally kind of gives in and apologizes to them and they apologize to her and everything is good. And they go to the, uh, winter hop together with, uh, Logan. Um, and there's all these rumors that she's going to go with a 10th grade boy from high school, uh, named Carlos Mendez, but it's just a rumor and that's it. Time. Woo. Our call dropped in the middle of that. I know. I just kept going. Yeah. I'm glad you did. That was, that's like, so I probably had like. I don't know if that was a, I don't know if that was a fair sixty seconds, but I'll take it. It almost certainly wasn't because it sounded like you got to the end of it. Yeah. Well, look, baby nation, it is not an accident that time is fucking with us today. No. Well, time's not. FaceTime is. FaceTime is fucking Face with us today. Time. Yeah. Our faces. God's time. Is that what <laughs> it's short for? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Can I just tell you right now what my theory of this book is and ask you whether, in fact, it is also true for you? Sure. Logan has been trying to D 
destabilized the Babysitter's Club f- since he started. Okay. And break them apart. He has finally, this week, figured out that the best way to do that is to fuck with the fabric of time itself. That is why Carolyn is building a time machine in her basement. Oh, yeah. Carolyn, I forgot the B-plot. Fuck. I had, oh, like, I had like four minutes, and I still forgot the B-plot. Carolyn and Marilyn, the twins, the Arnold twins, are building a time machine in their basement. Oh, no. Okay, Jack. Jack just cut out again. I'm back. I'm back. Uh, so, Carolyn and Marilyn, the Arnold twins. Okay, it's reconnecting. Uh, Carolyn and Marilyn, uh, the, the Carolyn and Marilyn, the Arnold twins are uh, building a time machine in their basement, and they're charging kids a dollar a pop to um, go back into the past. And the, the babysitters are actually kind of worried because Carolyn had just seen Back to the Future, and she's so into this that it's like almost convincing them that even though it's just toilet paper and like cardboard crates and stuff like that. They all seem to think that uh, Carolyn may actually be building a time machine, if you can believe it. Um, so that's that's kind of the B-plot that I missed in my first synopsis. Okay, Jack's back. Hey. Hey, I can't see you. Here I am. While we were gone, I quickly did another uh, tight 30 seconds on the B-plot, yeah. Carolyn and Marilyn. You son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> So That's the, so fucking unfair. You were using all of this shit against your own obligation. No, to I'm, describe I'm the plot taking advantage seconds. of a broken system. Okay. Your fault for moving well, to Texas, dick. Um, okay. So do you feel me on that as a theory? Yeah. Can I, can I? There's something that supports it, too. What? Maybe you noticed this, but they mentioned over and over again in a really super weird way, in an abnormal for these books way the time of year and how cold it was and what the weather was. Totally. There's a bunch of other shit that happens that's like that. I've got a few of them. Uh, it begins with Marianne saying, I had just made a New Year's resolution to be the best person I could be in all possible ways. The last New Year's resolution that Marianne made was in the novel Dawn's Big Date, Babysitter's Club number 50, just 10 books ago. Like an entire year has passed somehow. Time is fucking coming unstuck. Here's another one. Do you remember uh, Marianne and her dad, Mr. Spear? Yeah. Richard, go to the mall for a daddy daughter day yeah. where the makeover happens. And one of the like subplots of the daddy daughter day is that they're watching a jazz band in the mall. Oh, yeah. And they're laughing because the drummer keeps making these weird noises. Right. As he's drumming, he keeps going, eh, eh. And Marianne and Mr. Spear are laughing about Very it. Very sexual. She brings, is that, was that sexual? It just Should I do it? No, don't it just do says, it again. Definitely don't do it says E-H-E-H. Eh. 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 Okay, that's weird now. It's, now, it's weird with you doing it as well. <laughs> you don't like doing it as a call and response? <laughs> no, I don't like it as a call and response. But here's the thing. Why is a drummer making those noises? He's having trouble keeping time. Yeah. Well, Jazz, uh, Jack, we know this from our own podcast. Jazz isn't about yeah. keeping time. Right. Jazz, Jazz is, is about, about just going with the feeling, you know? <laughs> Seeing where the, the mood takes you. Eh. Eh. <laughs> I hated it. I didn't like it at all. All right. So no more Jazz. And no more doing uh, that. Okay. And no more doing that. We're going to so a, those... have to put a mature rating on this podcast if we keep <laughs> doing Making... sexual grunts. <laughs> So those are two fucking things that are going on. The biggest temporal shift that happens in this book, I'm sure you picked up on it, Sabrina Oh, Bouvier. yeah. Sabrina Bouvier's back. When's the last time we saw her? Little Miss Stonybrook and Dawn? The last time we saw Sabrina fucking Bouvier is book number 11. Anyway, whatever. Early book, Little Miss Stonybrook and Dawn. And uh, she was Sabrina. a contestant in the little miss Stonybrook contest a contest right. for five to eight year olds okay um in this book sabrina bouvier is back but now she's marianne's age right and she's like the coolest kid in school i think it's, it's all a... i mean this is obviously amber theory at work here right baby nation amber theory is our theory that these girls and most of stony brook is trapped in a temporal bubble like mosquitoes trapped in amber from the jurassic period uh Mm -hmm. which happened after book 10 when Anne in the happy reading section admitted that from book 10 on she had frozen time in the babysitter's club universe 
And it's not an accident, I think, that it was book 10 that that happened, and it was 10 books ago the last time we celebrated a new year. Well, and it's no coincidence either that book 10 is when we met Logan Logan. Bruno. Snake in the grass. Snake in the grass. Let me read to you, Tanner, a passage from this book that I imagine you took down as well, which is the first time that Logan is talked about in this novel. Okay. Logan was definitely on my mind as I stared out the Arnold's kitchen window. Frost had made an oval frame on each window pane. This is what I'm talking about, Pete Larangis' fucking beautiful lyrical prose. Yeah. He really, he really goes the extra mile. Frost had made an oval frame on each window pane, and icicles hung down like fangs. Uh, no, it, it wasn't the fangs that made me think of Logan. <laughs> Good save, Marianne. Yeah, good save, Marianne. Of course it's the fucking fangs. And Logan plays this weird role in this book. Marianne gets completely separated from the BSC. Right. She gets a makeover, and for some reason everyone just loses their mind. She gets her hair cut short, and it's honestly one of the biggest crises we've ever seen with the babysitters. They immediately are like, we're done. That We're not sitting at lunch table together anymore. You're fucking dead to us. Right. And Logan plays this weird role throughout where all the babysitters are like, your hair looks terrible. And Logan is like, I really do like your hair, Marianne, but that shouldn't matter. You're the one who has to like it. If it makes you feel good, that's what counts. And he is like playing this weird role that is like, oh, your hair looks great, Marianne. There's nothing wrong with your makeover where you're abandoning all your friends. Right. Like, it's cool. And suddenly Logan is the only person she's sitting with at lunch. It's what he's always fucking wanted. Is well, he's, to get the... he's tempting her away like the snake right. in the Garden of Eden. He's like, oh, don't worry about it, Eve. Like, God doesn't want you to eat this apple, but like, it's all about what makes you happy, Eve. Wouldn't you be happy exactly. having original sin and all the knowledge of God? Yeah, that is exactly fucking right. And this week, this monster is trying to do it by like changing the fabric of time itself. Yeah, well, so what I was worried about was, like, she is so quickly and widely accepted by all of Stony Brook and all of Stony Brook Middle School, and frankly, a good portion of Stony Brook High School. There's this boy named Carlos Mendez, who's, like, like hot to trot with Marianne. Yeah. He loves her new look. He really wants to go to the high school dance with her, not the the winter fling, but... Everyone is so quick to jump on the Marianne bandwagon, except for the BSC, that it made me think that maybe it's not Stony Brook that's trapped in amber. Right. Maybe it's literally just the BSC. Oh, God, that makes so much fucking sense. And that's why, like, Sabrina Bouvier has just grown up. We essentially never hear from anyone else outside of the intimate circle of the BSC. Right. Other than a few players like Pete Black and Cokie Mason. Uh Meanwhile, all of these people who, like, we just don't even know what the fuck they're up to, like Sabrina Bouvier, are growing up at their own pace in real time. Right. The reason everyone else immediately, like, accepted and and celebrated this new Marianne was because she's, like, she's a, a regular, like, adult growing up just like everyone else. Right. Yeah. And that's the one thing Anne doesn't want. I have created this Eden for you. I've created this paradise for you. Right. And... The only thing I ask in return is that you never change. You never grow up. Um, can I can I read you a passage? Yeah. From book 10, Logan Likes Marianne. Which is the pivotal book in this series. This is, this is from the happy reading section. Okay. It was while I was writing this book that I realized a year had passed in the lives of the BSC characters. Marianne was the last of the original club members to turn 13, and the series was still going strong. So my editors and I decided that the characters would have remained this age. Looking back now, I realize that this was a good decision. If the girls had continued to get older, they would be college graduates by now. Instead, they're in middle school forever. Happy reading. Happy reading. (laughs) Like, saying happy reading is what Anne says when she's just dropped a fucking bomb on you. It reminds me of in, maybe I've already said this before, but it reminds me of in West Wing when, like, Josh Lyman gets shot and, like, everyone's rushing to his side and, like, the sad music is playing over him lying and bleeding out on the streets of Washington, D.C. 
And then right. it, it smash cut to credits, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's like this has happened before, like in Claudia and the Sad Goodbye. It was like sometimes people die. In this book, I killed Claudia's beloved grandma. Anyway, happy reading. Happy reading. <laughs> but Jack, book ten right here. It's the girls. Yeah. It's the girls. It's just the girls. I think we, we may missed have that. Before. Stumbled upon something here. It's just. The girls, right. the seven. It also explains why Richard Spear is all of a sudden so cool. I mean, he's not cool. He's he's not cool at all. He <laughs> brings um, calculators to restaurants with him so that he can double check their tip math. Um, yeah. When he goes to Chinese restaurants with his family, the Chinese restaurant knows to bring him a fork instead of chopsticks. They bring everyone else chopsticks and they bring him a fork. So he's not cool. He's not a cool dude, but like... no. This is this is the most accepting he's been of Marianne growing up and changing. And it's yeah. because like this whole time, these last 60 books, he's been like growing and changing and evolving. Right. But Marianne hasn't. She's still the same 13-year-old girl. So he's fucking in on it. No, and I this is he's like he's in on it. I think he's confused. Why isn't this girl growing? Dude, think about it though. Like the thing about Mr. Spear from day 1 has been that he doesn't want his baby girl to grow up because he can't face her turning into the beloved wife that he's lost. Right. Do you think that this is some fucking deal that he made? Don't you think that makes sense? From the beginning, he was like, Marianne can never grow up. She has to wear pigtails. She has to put, like, posters in her room that only a kid would have about, like, Disney princesses and shit. Like, and I'm never going to let you change. And then all of a sudden, he's like, oh, it's okay. You can change. And he's like, sure, you can get a haircut. I don't care. I don't care. That's fine. Now I'm fine with it. Now I'm super cool with You're it. Still going to be 13. I don't know, man. That's that fucking adds up to me. Don't you think that Mr. Spe- like I fucking liked Richard Spear and then he got creepy and weird. I don't like the idea of these characters coming into our world. Yeah. And controlling things in our world. And what you just said implies that Richard Spear has some kind of influence over Anne. Right. Or made a deal with her. Yeah, I don't like I don't know thinking to do about with it. it. Yeah. Marianne is completely turned around. And it changes her personality, too. Well, yeah. Which is a bummer, because Marianne, like, she's so conflict-averse that she just completely withdraws. Like, she just stops going to Babysitter's Club meeting. She stops hanging out with them. She stops eating lunch with them. Because she's convinced that they all are, like, upset with her and hate her. But, like, see it from their point of view. It's like, she gets a cool haircut, and everyone starts being nice to her, and then she stops hanging out with you. Yeah. Can I be honest? for a second i wish you would um this book made me fucking hate marianne that's not the first time you've said that i know i feel betrayed like marianne was always when i was a young man and read these books marianne was always the babysitter i identified with because Uh she's literary and she's like nerdy and she's bookish and she's shy but marianne has done this before like every time some small thing happens that like causes a little bit of coldness between her and the babysitters right like, this time, she got a makeover, and, like, the reactions weren't as intense as she thought they were going to be. People right. were like, oh, it looks it looks cool. And instead of being like, hey, guys, uh, what like, what's going on here? Why you guys seem bummed out about this? What's, what's up? Like, she immediately jumps to, oh, okay, now I'm not friends with any of these people ever again, and I will never speak to them. And I'm not going to sit with them at the lunch table, and I'm going to literally avoid my own sister in my house— and that's that. Like, right. I guess I'm best friends with Sabrina fucking Bouvier now. Yeah. Like, well, fuck you, Marianne. Like, what the fuck is that? No, I agree with you. Marianne was pretty pretty bad in this book. Yeah. Dawn wasn't good either. Marianne is, like, uncharacteristically, like, pretty nasty in this book, too. Yeah. Can I read you a passage? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, um, it also just happens to be my... <gasps> <gasps> I felt so right. Did it feel right to you? It oh. synced up in my world. It didn't sync up with me at all, but it was <laughs> it was fine. Uh, eh. Marianne and Dawn eh. are... Eh. 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 Oh, stop it. Okay, I didn't like it anymore. That's how we'll sync up from now on at the beginning of these episodes. We'll just try to, like, coordinate our... Eh. Yeah. Eh. Eh. Oh, I don't like it. No, that's not good. Okay, stop it. I wish I hadn't done it. Okay, carry on. Marianne and Dawn are fighting. Marianne's fighting with everybody. Um... And she tries to, like, have a conversation with Dawn about, like, why they're angry with one another and what the big fight is about. 
uh, and Dawn is kind of icy to her and says, like, uh, I'm not, like, I'm surprised you want to talk to me. It seems like you've been ignoring me all week and you've been hanging out with Logan all week. Dawn gave me a withering look. I'm not the one who skips meetings and talks to her boyfriend every minute of the day. Well, I'm not the one who gets jealous because of a haircut and some clothes. Jealous? Me? Jealous of you? Dream on, Marianne. Dawn stomped down to the bottom of the stairs. Wait, I said. Dawn turned around. I don't have time to listen to you. I didn't have the whole evening to lounge around the house and admire my boy haircut and clown makeup. <laughs> Already pretty good burn. Yeah, that's a Dawn. fucking good-ass burn. But here's the best burn. Yeah. Oh, go choke on an alfalfa sprout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is what Marianne that's says good. back to, yeah. to Don. Yeah, it's good. Uh, it's it's a good burn, Baby Nation, if you're looking for a good burn on a vegetarian. Yeah. Tell that, him to go choke uh, on an alfalfa sprout. In fact, as, in Baby Nation, uh, Jack is betraying all of us by moving to Texas. If all of you just want to like get on Twitter... And just <laughs> at ex-president and just tell him to go choke on an alfalfa sprout. That would make me feel a lot better. Okay, fine. Fine. But if you do, please address me by my new name, which is Tex. You hey, Tex, go choke on an alfalfa sprout. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, there's some sick fucking burns in this book. Um, and that, yeah, uh, Marianne really fucking gets her. I'm trying to think what my burn was. Did you have my one? My turn? Yeah, yeah you can go. To... Um, my burn is a quick one. Okay. Uh. Marianne gets a makeover. Yep. It's the whole uh, point of she, this book, bud. She gets her haircut like a fucking model. She looks great. She not only gets her haircut, but she buys like the most expensive dress at this place called Steve's. No, it's called uh, Steve Wasn't it called S? like Steve E or something like that? Steve, Steve E. e. Yeah. So it's a very fancy store and she gets like a super sleek dress from that as well then she gets her fucking makeup done uh and she looks good as hell and everybody is like turning heads carlos mendez literal 10th grader we haven't even we have not met a single 10th grader in 60 books no uh literally like, 10th we're, grader we're, i'm not sure we've this is maybe like the first mention of stony brook high school outside of janine kishi yeah i think that's true she's looking good she's walking down the fucking hallways and like music is blasting and everybody's like turning their heads like who the hell is that right like god damn she's beautiful except one person who's that yeah what happened to you says alan gray hello alan i said calmly <laughs> well at least they didn't scalp off your voice box was alan's witty response uh-huh alan fucking gray oh is that's yours one that's it Okay, so what happened here is I took the good burn. <laughs> you don't like that? <laughs> That's good as hell, man. It barely makes sense. <laughs> it's kind of nonsense. Well, at least they didn't scalp off your voice box, too. I think maybe Alan doesn't really get human anatomy. <laughs> it's not It's think... not at the top. The voice box is here in your throat. You got scalped. Marion got well, scalped. Well, she didn't. She got a haircut, so already a problem. One, she didn't get scalped. She got a haircut. Two, but to Alan, that seems like a scalping. Okay, but the, okay, so let's let's take that as charms. red. Let's take that as red. That, that Alan thinks that that's what a scalping is, but mm-hmm. he's still wrong about where a voice box is. So even if he did think she got scalped, you would have to be decapitated, right, to also have your voice box taken. Yeah, well, so, and that's why Alan is is glad that didn't happen. I just he's like way off. Yeah. All right, well, so that's Pete's fault, man. You can't put this on me. Why is that Pete's fault? Pete wrote this joke, man. Oh, oh, oh. I thought you meant Pete Black. No, Pete Larangis. <laughs> Call him Mr. Larangis. Don't you dare <laughs> assume of fault. familiarity with him. Yeah, so that's a hot burn of the week. That's what I think. Good, so Apparently, one good burn, not. one bad burn. <laughs> At least they didn't scalp off your voice box, asshole. I wish you would. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hmm. What would I do with an extra hour in my day? Very interesting question, BetterHelp. Hello, everyone. This is Evil Tanner. I'm like regular Tanner, except evil. Our sponsor, BetterHelp, has put a little prompt here in the copy for us. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? 
My own website, which only exists on the dark web, of course, uh, wetterhelp.com, could use a little help. So I would probably use that hour to do a whole bunch, like just flood Facebook with one like, one prayer. Please go donate to my GoFundMe. I need to bring my website, wetterhelp.com, back from the brink. Betterhelp.com, they feel like there's a little bit of uh, infringement. I said, well, you know, we're on the dark web. You guys are on the surface web. Our whole thing is like, getting people wet who don't want to be wet so it's like stepping in a puddle or like sitting on a bench that's wet that's us like that's what we do share this with a friend one like one prayer i will follow through on the like prayer stuff too i will be praying all night i would use today's sponsor betterhelp.com um of course i can't i am evil tanner i can only use the deep web we do have a deep web version of betterhelp.com um it's called worsehelp.com it's not good but i think betterhelp.com is great from everything i've heard convenient flexible suited to your schedule just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist you can switch at any time no additional charge uh go check it out learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. visit betterhelp.com slash bedfellows to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash bedfellows see you there well not me but have fun Um, I'm out of notes. I have a TM. Hang on, wait. I've got a joke I want to say. Okay, um, great. Now go change your pants. Me. Yeah. It's four episodes ago. That was a bird of the week. But it's something you can say when you burn someone so good. Yeah. And then they're like, what? Oh, what am I going to do? And then you say, now go change your pants. Baby Nation, when you tweet Jack to <laughs> Tech. tell him to Text. go choke on alfalfa. Uh, yeah. Make sure you you put a little stinger on there. T- tweet him right back immediately. Reply to your own tweet and say, "Yeah, now go change your pants. Now go change your fucking pants." <laughs> um, I want to talk about one other thing, which is related to this idea of Logan being the snake in the grass again. Okay. Um, and the fact that there is so much resonance in this book with. Book number 10, Logan Likes Marianne, Mm -hmm. which is the first book where Logan is introduced as the snake in the grass. We've already seen that he is described in terms of someone with fangs right? when this book starts. And we've already seen that very clearly he is trying to separate Marianne from the pack, like a weak gazelle. In this book, try to get her out of the babysitter's club so that the seven are no longer one and the whole thing is destabilized and he can do whatever nefarious shit he's been planning since the beginning. Mm -hmm. What I noticed goes back to our old friend, babysitter's club art director, Hodges. Oh, no. Wait, I don't. Okay. Have a look, Tanner, if you can, at. The cover for this book. Okay, I've got it. Tell me what you see. Okay, I'm looking at a picture. Clearly, this this photo has been taken inside of Stony Brook Middle School. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the foreground, we have Marianne in um, colorful leggings mm-hmm. and a pink men's Oxford. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's laughing and smiling. And with his arm around her is Logan Bruno also laughing and smiling. Uh, and they're kind of walking to towards the camera. Okay. Away from uh, three of the babysitter's club, Dawn, Christy, and Claudia, who are in the back with their arms crossed looking uh, scandalized. And what does Claudia have? around her neck a very large very prominent crucifix (laughs) very noticeable get thee behind me logan hodges also this as far as i know does not happen in this book (laughs) no this specific scene never actually happens no and that's that's a hodges special right but he doesn't like to paint shit that happens in the book. He likes to paint shit that you need to know about. Right. And what Hodges painted today was the th- three of the four original babysitters holding a crucifix against the man who's, who's 
literally the like stealing away their Marianne. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Hodges. Thanks, Anne. Thanks, yeah. Pete. You guys really painted like a very clear picture for us. We should be paying way closer to attention to Hodges. I feel like he's the only yeah. one who's like speaking truth to power. Yeah. <laughs> he's got all these subversive messages happening in these books. I think Hodges is like we make this big joke of of coming up with all these zany theories about this series of books, but like Hodges was doing Yaoman's work like well before we ever got to these books. I mean, this is what we've known about Hodges for a while. I don't know if he's a force for good or a force for evil, but like, I think he's on it's our very side, clear. Man. I, think, I think he's one of us. He sees in these books what is beneath the surface, and he has since the beginning. He's trying to tell us something. He's trying to warn us. Right. That's Spooky a big cross. Yeah, it's a huge cross. Baby Nation, we'll post a picture of this on our Facebook page and also maybe our Twitter at BSCC Podcast. Trying to get us to uh, followers? I'm, yeah, I think so. Okay. I think it seems good. It seems good. Um, speaking of things that are unsavory, yeah, I want to read you a passage. Okay. An hour later, Sharon poked her head into my room. Oh, Marianne, when did you get back? I've been here all along, I replied. She scratched her head. Is it Tuesday already? I thought, no, it's Monday. I stayed home. I was trying to figure out what excuse to make when Dawn's voice shouted from downstairs. I'm home. Anybody here? Excuse me, Sharon said. She went to the stairs and shouted, I'll be right down. Then she turned back into my room and said, Marianne, have you seen the spaghetti tongs? <laughs> They're on the towels <laughs> on, in the linen closet, I told her. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Sharon left and I got ready for dinner. Sharon, Sharon, what you and Mr. Spear do in the bedroom is up to you or in the linen closet or in the fucking linen closet but don't bring dawn and marianne they into have their this. own problems right now sharon it's they don't need so to hear about your weird. disgusting <laughs> food fetish <laughs> like you know what sharon and and richard spear do is they just like they use that whole house they use the whole fucking house as soon as these girls and they know that Marianne and Dawn are both going to be gone every fucking oh, yeah. Tuesday from 5.30 till 6 o'clock. Sharon yeah. poked her head in and she's like, oh, 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 oh. Um, <laughs> I already put the fucking spaghetti tongs in the linen closet. <laughs> Don't go in there. Yeah. Uh, we thought this room would be vacant. Um, <laughs> um, new Baby Bees, uh, if this is your first episode, uh, go back and listen. Sharon and uh, Richard are into some weird shit. Yeah, we call it refrigerator play. Yeah, and it comes up early in this book, uh, in the first chapter where Marianne's introducing all the cast of characters. Uh, she describes her new stepmom as, she's really a wonderful person, but she's been known to leave her gloves in the freezer, her keys <laughs> in the bathroom soap dish, stuff like that. Yuck. Um, whatever. You guys, whatever. They can do whatever they want, yeah. but don't bring Dawn. Yeah, we're not here. we're not here to sex shame. We're yeah. sex positive here on Babysitters Club Club, but Are we're we? not. Well, we haven't discussed this as a as a philosophy. I think we're sex positive, but you yeah, and I, I are both uh, disgusted by yeah. sex and refuse to talk about it or acknowledge that it ever happens. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like it. Listen, Baby Nation, if you're in a refrigerator play, that's cool. That's cool. That's fucking great. Even we're not here to to to. Also, here's a fucking thought. What even are spaghetti tongs, man? You didn't have spaghetti tongs growing up? No. That's You know what they're for? They're for doing spaghetti things. Yeah, well, spaghetti things is already a known euphemism in the Babysitter's Club universe. Yeah. Um, spaghetti tongs are... I guess it's tongs that you use for uh, spaghetti. They're they're like two little like wide-tooth combs facing down. Yeah. With, oh yeah, with a tong on it, and you can like scoop up spaghetti with it. Oh, that sounds painful in the context of a sexual act. <laughs> um, um, I've got one other note, and it's about dinosaurs. Did you write down this note about dinosaurs? No, I I read it and I scanned past it, thinking like I don't know what to make of this. Well, it's just this. So Hunter uh, is Logan's brother, and maybe Hunter. this is why. It, Hunt, uh, Hunter. Hunter. We've talked about Hunter in the past. He's a tragic character. 
Hunter is a tragic character who is like one of the the like most tragic victims of Anne's cavalier decision to trap all of these characters in amber. Right. Because Hunter when Anne made the choice that they would no longer age, Hunter happened to have a really bad cold. Yeah. And so now Hunter permanently has a cold. Right. Like that's just how he is. Um and so there's a moment where Marianne calls up Logan and Hunter answers. Hi, Hunter, I said. Barry Ed. Hunter squealed. Logan, Logan, it's Barry Ed. Barry Ed, I got a dinosaur backpack today. I think what happened here is that Hunter, in his fucking desperation at having been saddled with this nightmare permanent allergy slash cold, has finally given up, turned his face away from the light, and joined the dinosaurs. What 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 does he stand to gain from doing that? Nothing. Like, the thing about the dinosaurs and, and new baby bees, the dinosaurs are one of the more shadowy and marginal factions in Stony Brook that's fighting for control. Uh, the demons are the faction that Logan controls and which we've been mostly focused on. Uh, but the dinosaurs have a lot of sway, and you can listen to earlier episodes to get a sense of where they come from. But the one thing we know about them is, A, that they're not literal dinosaurs, uh, and B, that the one thing they are committed to is chaos. Right. Um, and that's what he stands to gain, right? Like, he's like he's suffering. He's permanently suffering. So right. why not turn your face away from the light and just, like, embrace the chaos? The demons are lawful evil, right. but the dinosaurs are chaotic evil right um so i don't know like that worries me that like this is a bruno right this is logan's oh, yeah brother shit i didn't think it was significant until you reminded me that it is actually a bruno right um so there's there's some kind of a schism within that family right it's something to keep an eye on it's something that's troubling uh it's something that also and i don't want to fucking i don't want to talk too much shit on Anne. we'd love Anne. she's a literal saint but she's created this world, this little fucking snow globe, where bad things are happening because of her leadership, because of what she's chosen to do with these people. Right. Like, this is her choice. Anne did this. I mean, there's no other way of seeing it, right? I mean, or to go back to the beginning of what we were talking about, maybe Mr. Spear did this. Oh, I, He's just, like thought a- of, I just thought of something very spooky. Okay. What if Mr. Spear... Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. Logan Bruno? What? How? There, there's a lot of time travel in this book. Carolyn and and Marilyn are sending people into the near past and distant future. Uh, Carolyn builds a time machine in the basement of the Arnold's house. What if Mister Spear, sick with grief over the death of his wife, oh my god, went to that time machine and sent himself back into the past and is protecting his sweet daughter i don't know god it's so confusing this is what happens when you fuck with time travel and i think maybe logan is marianne is her own mom yeah obviously obviously and logan is mr spear okay and logan used carolyn's time machine and went forward into the future to 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 watch over marianne and make sure that Nothing bad happened to her because he was trying to save her from her own inevitable demise. Death. Right. So now he's got he's got two different eyes on her. He's got himself, Logan, and he's got future right. Logan, Mr. Spear. Oh god, that's horrifying. Do you think that's possible at all? It's possible and it's also I mean, I don't know. I don't want to give Mr. Spear the benefit of the doubt in all of this, but the fact that Logan is trying to separate Marianne from the BSC, is it possible? That the BSC is what leads to the demise of Marianne slash Mrs. Spear slash the last book of this series, The Fire at Marianne's House. It could be. If you if you really connect all the dots, yeah. that's, that's a strong possibility. Happy reading. Happy reading. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about something that's a little less grim. Okay. And it is my... <gasps> 
Baller of the Week. What? Throughout this whole book, there's this rumor yeah. flying around Stony Brook Middle School that a boy from Stony Brook High School named Carlos Mendez, Mendez. is yeah. a 10th grade boy who's like super into Marianne. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sabrina Bouvier uh, spreads this rumor a lot. but And it actually cause, causes a rift between Logan and Marianne for a little while because Logan finds out about it and he won't talk to her and like... Eventually they call and she's like, that's just a rumor. I don't know who Carlos Mendez is. He has right. not asked me to the high school winter dance. Even if he did, I would say no. Don't worry about right. it. Uh, so Logan and, and Marianne end up going to the Stony Brook Middle School dance together, as do all the, the other Babysitter's Club uh, girls. Uh, and this is after they've made up. Everyone's having a really good time. The four of us moved onto the dance floor. For the second time, I caught a glimpse of Sabrina and her date. Sabrina looked about 20 years old, and so did her date. He was very tall, with thick black hair and dark, handsome features. Dawn noticed them too. Who's that guy? she asked, dancing close to Logan and me. I don't know, I said. Suddenly, Logan, Dawn, and I all stopped dancing at once. We turned to each other with identical, wide-eyed expressions on our faces. Pete stared at us as if we had lost our minds. Carlos! We all said in unison. And here's here's the baller of the week moment. Yeah. At the other end of the room, Sabrina's date looked around. Then he smiled, shrugged his shoulders, <laughs> and continued dancing. Uh, he fucking heard it. them. Yeah. And then this like in this like sitcom opening like move. <laughs> yeah. Like he just noticed the camera behind him, and he like looks around. And he's like, "What? What you gonna do?" Yeah. And just keeps he, dancing. He has no context for it. He just hears five eighth graders he doesn't, like, all whispering, shouting his from name. From the at other the same side time. of the room. Yeah. And he's like, eh, That's right. Carlos Mendez did it again, <laughs> dating Sabrina Bouvier, little Miss Stony Brook herself. <laughs> is she is she five? Is she fourteen? Who knows? Who can say? Time is completely out of whack here. Yeah, it's just collapsed. They're both 20. They're at the January Jamboree. And uh, Carlos is doing just kind of typical cool guy moves of shrugging a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's good as hell. Yeah. Carlos Mendez. Supersonic hearing, cool as hell. Yeah. Looks yeah. 20, is only 16, goes out with 14-year-olds, I guess. Um, How we doing? How we doing? How we doing? I feel like we're, we're doing good. There. Doing it's good. It feels like it's time to, to wrap up a little bit. I got, I got a quick question for you. Yeah. Did you cry? Did I have a... Tearful moment! Oh, now we do it quiet? It felt right. Yeah, that feels right. Tearful moment. Um, did you? Yeah. Did, did you cry? Yeah. Okay, hit me. What 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 made you cry this week, Tanner? It was Marilyn and Carolyn. Carolyn spends the entire book constructing Building a fucking time machine, something we haven't focused machine. on enough. Uh and she she's just like putting her whole heart and soul into it and by the end kind of convinces herself that this time machine is going to work. Uh and goes around the neighborhood like collecting dollar bills from all of her friends so that they can come and go into the time machine and she does this like big like spectacle song and dance she has christy come over with jenny prezioso Prezioso. and her sister marilyn is there and she decides to let her twin sister marilyn kind of have the first go and marilyn goes into the time machine and she's like doing all the like song and dance and there's lights going off and she's like flipping levers and there's there's like a halloween music soundtrack playing and, like, she kind of has this, like, crazed, like, nervous look in her eyes. And Marianne kind of, like, pulls her aside as she's doing all this. And she's like, hey, um, Carolyn, what do you think is going to happen here? And Carolyn's just like, nothing. I was so convinced that this was going to work that I didn't really plan for what would happen if it didn't work. Yeah. Now comes the most difficult part, Carolyn went on, to bring her back. We must position the flux capacitor at exactly the spot of electronic, uh, uh, flux. She turned her back and screamed. Wee-o! Wee-o! Now you're coming back and, and, poof! She paused solemnly on the curtain, then yanked it open. 
there she is. Living proof, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah! <laughs> we clapped and cheered and stamped our feet. And Marilyn stood up, wide-eyed and ecstatic. Like Dorothy seeing the Emerald City for the first time. It, it was amazing. <laughs> I had this big frilly dress and the organ grinder's monkey danced for me and I saw this incredible ballet dancer named McKinsky and she went on and on. I could see the happiness playing across Carolyn's face, even underneath the goggles. Her time machine actually worked. Her time machine worked and Marilyn was a good sister. And this is a very Anne thing to do. Marilyn is being a good sister and pretending like she went back in time. Right. Which is beautiful. Or she went back in time. That fucking time machine worked. She Where else is she time. pulling the name McKinsky from? Um, it's a beautiful moment. Do you have one this week? I a thing that got me that is predictable. It's what used to get me, and it still gets me. It's right after Marion gets her haircut, and Mister Spear seems a little dubious about the haircut because his little girl's grown up. Marion says, "Oh, thank you, Dad. Do you like it?" The important thing is, <laughs> do you like it? Why is he have no, a? That's, why is he have a? No, I did. I now I got into it. Oh, I know what you just did, Jack. I Logan him. Yeah, I naturally you Logan him. Gave him like an old man Logan voice. Oh God, it's wait. Isn't that an? That's an X Men thing too, right? Old man Logan. Yeah, it's what the hit film Logan is based on. Is old man Logan? Do you think these things are related? Uh, definitely not. Definitely yes. <laughs> The important thing, bub. Logan is, has do you Logan like has it? bone claws, and Mister Spear has adamantium claws. <laughs> God, how did we not notice this before? Yeah, the bone claws is what he's born with, right? But Mister Spear had to go into Project X, right? And they put Over adamantium in him against his will, and that's why he's dying now, right? All right, I'm going to start again. Oh, thank you, Dad! I exclaimed. Do you like it? I hate it. <laughs> I hate it when you do little voices. <laughs> I'm a voice artist. That's what we do here. That's why this is such a hit podcast. The important thing, Marianne, is do you like it? He asked. My stomach went into knots. He hadn't said yes. I, I love it, but... I felt my lower lip start to tremble. You don't like it, do you? Dad gave me a concerned look. No. I think it's wonderful, sweetheart. It makes you look like a beautiful young woman. It's just... He shrugged and tried to smile. Well, you're growing up, Marianne. That's never easy for a parent to see. Especially an old grump like me. Why is he crying, Tanner? Because he's not looking at Marianne. He's He's looking looking at his dead wife kind of fucked up though in a way it's super fucked up now that we know his goddamn backstory right um tenor let's get the fuck out of here i'm already home well i'm going out with my new austin best friends so hate it hate it this week we read a book that was called marianne's makeover next week we are reading a book that is called jesse and the awful secret oh god that's going to be good. This is my wife's favorite book, and I know it's... Wait, real? Yeah, she loves this one. She's don't gonna... tell me what happens. This sounds awesome. It sounds awesome. I don't know what the awful secret it's is. It's not, man. It's a tough one. Oh, it's going to be tough? It's, it's a, a bad challenging secret. book. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll work on it. But at least, we'll be, at least we'll be face-to-face next week when we record it. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Next week, we're reading a book called Jesse and the Awful Secret. Please do, if you haven't already... Rate and review our podcast on iTunes. It makes a big difference to us. It helps us move up in the rankings. It helps us get noticed by other people who are not yet members of the Baby Nation but might want to be members of the Baby Nation if they knew that we existed. Also, as a member of the Baby Nation. Mm -hmm. uh, It is your solemn duty. Right. We have militarized you. Yeah. You are our Minutemen on the front (laughs) lines going out and recruiting other members of the baby nation uh please go out and tell someone who doesn't listen to the show to come and do listen to the show when you were a babysitters club listener you were an evangelist right word of mouth is the best way to spread podcasts around so please do tell someone you know to listen to our show 
This week, I've been Jack Shepard. I have been Tanner Greenring. This week, Claudia's wearing a bra now. The way she talks, you would think the boys had just been invented. I went and did something, something you can only do in New York, so you're really missing out by moving to Austin. I went and did something called shadow boxing. Oh, that sounds cool. Where I went to a dark room filled mm-hmm. with punching bags. Okay. And, and there was EDM music playing. Are you loud sure you EDM, want to talk about this on loud, live? Loud EDM music playing. And a woman with a little headset on yelled at me for an hour and made me punch the bag and do push-ups and do squats and do something called downward dog she kept yelling at me downward dog oh my god were you wearing a diaper the whole time i don't know what that is and here here's the weirdest part pitch black oh my god the room was pitch black and that's just what i did for fun for an hour this morning Ugh. and that's uh that's what does it for you that's what we do in new york that was a headgum podcast